we've been talking about what happens when we pray on Sunday. And we've been talking about even on Sunday, we begin to share with you that uh, Jesus wants us to become learners or disciples. A disciple is a learned one. And actually, in, in Jewish culture, uh, whenever you were sitting under a master or your teacher, uh, the word disciple had the, had the mindset or the connotation of one who, em, who emulates his teacher. Remember, I used the word Sunday, a clone. And so if you're following Jesus, he wants us to be literally like him. Are y'all following me? Jesus desires for each one of us to talk like him. That's why he says, say to the mountain. You don't think Jesus could say to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. And he ain't doubt in his heart, but he bleed the little thing. When he say, go come to pass, he have what we say. He wants us to, to talk like him. He wants us to walk like him. He wants us to act like him. So a disciple is a learned one who takes the teaching of his master so seriously that he intensely transforms and changes his life to line up with the teacher who he's following. So the question becomes today is, who are we following really? I mean, you know, people use the term now, they, they'll say, really? Really? Are you really following Jesus? Are you trying to intensely transform your speaking, your acting, your behavior to line up with the, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sin, was buried and resurrected the third day morning with all power and heaven earth in his hand? Are you intensely, seriously trying to follow Jesus? Or are you just doing you? Because there are a lot of people in the church who say, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to be my best me. I don't want to be my best me. I want to be like Jesus and I want to grow and mature and allow his Holy Spirit to transform my life. Okay? But this particular chapter here, uh, your weighs heavy on us because many of us, because of what we say with our mouths, we end up canceling out the things that God would desire for us to do and the things that he's made a covenant promise uh, to us in his word. And so what we say is critically important. That scripture we quote all the time, death and life is in the power of the tongue and they that love it eat the fruit thereof. The tongue and how we utilize it and what we say with it is a gateway into our level of spiritual maturity. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So we're going to go back in this third, into this third chapter. And, and again, a lot, if you studied this book before, this is a, this is one of the uh, key parts of this, of this particular book. But let's go to J- James chapter three and we'll start in verse number one. Are y'all still with me? I hope you are because I hadn't got started yet. All right. <laughs> Just want to make sure you guys are awake. Sometimes when you come to midweek service, some of y'all kind of roll on up in here. Looks like some of y'all had a rough day. Amen. But you know what? I believe that when we come to the house of the Lord, uh, when we come with a sense of anticipation, it'll energize us. When we come with the, with the, with the mindset that I'm going to learn something that's going to help me do life differently. I want to learn something that I can apply to my life and that will allow me to look more like Jesus. Because I want to be like him. I, I, I truly and honest, I, I want to be like Jesus. I want to walk like him, talk like him, be able to handle situations the way he would handle them. So we go into this third chapter. And uh, as we look in it, uh, we see uh, in your outline, this chapter uh, begins a new discussion 
Uh, it talks about, you know, uh, the temptations and the trials that, that are common to all, but especially those that are, uh, 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 relate to teachers. Amen. Teachers are pointed out as being especially subject to the sins of the tongue and to misunderstanding true wisdom. So the first part is, but we're going to talk about the sins of the tongue. And the second part, we're going to deal with misunderstanding true wisdom, because there are a lot of people who who uh, are guilty of both. But but. But, you know, some are sins of the tongue and some of them are misunderstanding what true wisdom is all about. So let's start our reading at verse number one and uh, uh, and, and we'll, we'll we'll dive into this thing. Verse one says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. All right. Can, y'all read that with me out loud on purpose. I want y'all to hear that being articulated from your tongue. All right. And I want your ears to hear this. Look, listen to what it says. Let's read it. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Okay? Teachers are being specifically and especially addressed here in James, in this first verse here. Okay? Um, and, And it's important to understand. He says, he says, really... You don't want to be in a hurry or you don't want to be itching to be a teacher in the church. That's what he says. Okay, because he says this for we who teach will be judged more strictly. All right. Are y'all tracking with me? We'll be judged more strictly. Strict. I want I, I, I want you to, to take a look at in your outline, and I gave it to you under number one. The, the first temptation is misusing the tongue. Okay, a teacher, and there's a Greek word there for teacher. Uh, the best way I can pronounce it is didaskaleo. Does that sound good to you guys? Didaskaleo. If you let it roll off your tongue, you know you can say stuff, and you may not even be right, but it sounds right. Anybody in the house? And the beauty of it is, is most of us in here are not Greek scholars. So when I say didaskaleo, without hesitating, it sounds like I know what I'm talking about, Luke. But that's the best way I can pronounce it, okay? All right. So didaskaleo, which, which literally means teacher, okay, uh, being addressed here, a teacher is always telling others how to live and correcting them when they, are, when they come short. And in fact, a teacher is responsible. Hear me, hear me carefully. A teacher is responsible for the lives and spiritual growth of those that are under him or under her. Amen. And here's the here's the part we, we don't want to miss. That's why he says not many of us should be running to try to be teachers. And God will hold that teacher responsible. OK, so anytime you if you call on to teach something. Make sure uh, that you, uh, first of all, consult the Holy Spirit. Make sure, second of all, that that you uh, 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 spend some time in prayer. And make sure that you properly prepare and that you properly dig into the word of God and exegete the text. Uh, get, get the then and the there so that you can properly instruct us in the here and the now. All right. 
So when we exegete a text, what we do is we go back and look at who was writing, who's he writing it to, what was the scenario surrounding, what was the context, so we can make sure we got good understanding. Because the scripture couldn't say, it could not mean something today that it, that it could not have meant when it, it was written in its original text. All right? So we want to exegete the text so that we, when we're teaching, we can begin to tell you how to apply that in the year 2019. Are you following me? Okay? But he says, uh, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Amen? So if a teacher fails to live what he teaches, he's going to bear a greater judgment and condemnation. All right? So the teacher must live what he preaches and teaches. Now, now take, take note of this right quick. Let's go, let's, before we do that, go to the second verse right quick. Let's go to the second verse. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. How many of y'all would agree with that scripture, that, that first part of that scripture? Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Can we read that again? That's out loud on, on purpose. Ready to read. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could, could also control ourselves in every other way. Okay? In every other way. Verse 3. Let's read. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. We talked about this on Sunday, right? How Carl instructed us how that pressure on that one side caused that horse to move to the other side. And that, and that tongue is, is like that bit in the horse's mouth. Now, again, when we look at what he said in this first verse, hear me carefully. It, it, it stresses a, a very pointed truth. This first verse, a person, hear me carefully, a person should commit his life to teach only and only if he can't keep from teaching. <laughs> no one. All right. You, you should only do this if, if there is something burning on the inside of you that, that just won't let you hold your peace. I'll, I'll say it. I'll share this with you because I remember very vividly when I when I really began to understand and accept the fact that God was calling me into ministry. I told you all before, guys, I was the most unlikely candidate to be doing what I'm doing today. Uh, my personality bent was not such that I wanted to get up in front of people and speak and talk. That was not my personality bent uh, by a long shot. But but when when the Holy Spirit uh, begins to prompt you in your spirit, it, it's it's sort of like this. I the, the way it happened with me was uh, it would come and it would go. It would come strong and then it would it would go. You know, and I, I would kind of you know okay, I would dismiss it and say, well, you know, that was a thought. I don't know where that thought came from. Maybe maybe it came from because when people saw me come to church, even before I was called, I would bring my Bible to church. And back then. A lot of people didn't bring their Bibles to church. So automatically, I would go to some churches because I had my Bible in my hand. They thought I was a preacher. You want to go to the pulpit? No. <laughs> That's the last thing I want to do. I want to sit, go to the pulpit? No. But I, but I would bring my Bible because um, I got saved uh, uh, going into my, I think it was my 11th grade year in high school. Uh, and um, and I was serious about the Lord. Uh 11th grade on up to my, my time at losing a tech. Okay. And so I was involved in fellowship of Christian athletes, uh, led the chapter over there. Um, 
And was uh, when Maria and I got married, uh, we got married right after. Uh, really, we set the wedding date before I graduated, but we got married right after I graduated. And so we were doing we were doing uh, music ministry, youth ministry at our home church up in Haynesville. OK, and so we would drive from uh, West Monroe all the way back to Haynesville on the weekends. All right. To do ministry. And, the, and, and if they had something during the week, sometimes a revival or something, we would uh, we would drive back. And that was about a um, probably uh, at that time with the speed limit and stuff. You go. It's probably about an hour and 20 minute drive or so uh, from West Monroe to Haynesville at that time. And there were many times we were driving those roads and, you know, uh, you know, sleep deprived sometimes and seeing stuff going that wasn't there. You, you know, y'all have been driving. You saw a horse go across the road and wasn't a horse there. <laughs> anybody ever been there before? Come on, anybody? I don't know about you. I mean, you start seeing stuff when you get sleepy. Uh, but anyhow, that, that's not what I want to focus on. The point I'm focused on is that that we were doing uh, youth ministry and we were doing uh, music ministry, um, but I, I never saw myself being a preacher of the gospel. But that but that intense, I, don't, I call it burn or desire, would come back, and I would dismiss it, and then finally it got to the point to where that thing was so strong because it wouldn't allow me to rest uh, at night peacefully. Until I submitted to the call of God to do what I'm doing today. And, and I never saw myself doing this. But when that call came, uh, when I felt that intense desire, uh, I had to share it. I had to tell it. Teaching is a high calling. One of the greatest callings uh, that, is, that is in the Bible, one of the greatest gifts in teaching. Because we have, you know, the reason why James says don't, don't, don't run and be ready to jump in that role is because whoever's in that role is responsible for what they say. Are you with me? And you can mess people up by not saying the right things and not being biblically correct. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. One of the things that I've noticed in Christendom today, and we got, we got to make sure, and I told you before, we're going to always make sure that we stay solidly uh, grounded in, in proper scripture and, and biblical doctrine as properly uh, 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 divided, rightly dividing the word of truth, is that there's so many people out there now who are saying stuff that doesn't line up with scripture. And, and, and it's now gotten to the point to where it's, you know, church and ministry is, is, is about performance and entertainment and uh, making people feel good. Sometimes when you come to church, baby, you're going to leave here and you ain't going to feel good. I mean, when I, when I say feel good, sometimes you're going to come to church and and something that you are involved in. is going to be preached from the pulpit. All right. Because why is that? Because if God sent you here. And under the and, and by way of the Holy Spirit, and he placed you up under the pastorship of Dollar Adam Sr., some point in time, when you're here, Dollar Adam Sr. is going to say something that's going to come and bring the mail to your house. And when the mail comes to your house, don't put it back in the mailbox. And when the mail comes to your house, don't shoot the mailman. Are you following me? It's going to happen. So there are going to be sometimes when you leave this church, as a matter of fact, when you leave on Sunday, sometimes I want you to pardon me. Hmm. 
Never thought of that. I didn't realize that what I was doing was out of the will of God. There, or I didn't realize that that I wasn't uh, I, I wasn't walking with the Lord as close as I thought I was walking with Him. Or, or or maybe I was I was I was hindering somebody else from getting to God by what I was doing and what my attitude was and what my disposition and my state of being was. We ought to be thinking about how we are affecting others and how this word, Amen, applies to our life. So, but a teacher has to be very careful because the Bible clearly says we're going to be what judged more strictly. Okay, we're going to be judged more strictly. A person should commit his life to teach only if he can't keep from teaching. It's a high calling. Go, go with me right quick to Acts the thirteen chapter verse number one. Come on, let's move. Acts thirteen verse number one. Watch what the text says here. It's this, this teaching is right in line there, right, right, right in concert, lockstep with apostles and prophets. Acts 13 and 1, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, uh, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. So among those teachers, says, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. In other words, they, 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 were, they were there uh, 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 gathered together and now they are called upon and separated. So after, after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Okay, go to uh, uh, first, uh, well, go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 11, very familiar passage of scripture. Okay, teaching is very important in the church. I personally believe that many of our churches are handicapped today because of a lack of solid biblical teaching from the pulpit and throughout the discipleship training process. All right. Um, I, I, I understand that there are different styles of preaching. Okay. And I'm not one to sit up and criticize and make fun of how somebody preach. Okay. Uh, I also recognize that uh, I can, you can be in a church that has a great oratorical speaker, a preacher uh, who can every Sunday, he can bring it and make you stand up on your feet and throw your pocketbook at him. All right. I was watching this. I was watching this, uh, this little documentary on uh, Aretha Franklin. And when she, back in 1972, uh, it's called amazing grace. Uh, and she, when she recorded uh, a, a gospel album with Reverend James Cleveland uh, in the Southern California Community Choir, and and she was just—I mean, she was blowing, man. She was, she was, she was actually just—I mean, the anointing on that lady's voice was so outstanding. Even even watching that thing, what forty something years later, it, it sent chill bumps up and down my spine. Now, uh, but but again. Uh, j- just like that with, with, uh, with James Cleveland, whoever, there are some people who preach differently than I do. And I, and, and, that, and that's cool. Uh, but, but even if you preach differently, even if you bring, as we say, uh, uh, in, 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 in the, uh, the old church, if, if you put the gravy on it, <laughs> you know, in, in African American church tradition, there's something that's called hooping. Y'all know what hooping is, right? Hooping is a cross between talking and singing. 
And so when that when, when Rev gets gets a little wind up, he begins to talk. But at the same time, he's talking, he's singing. And that's a that's a little cultural nuance. And I'm and that's cool with that. I'm, I'm, I don't knock that. But but what I always say is, is that if you're going to use that cultural nuance, make sure you're teaching amen, your people what to do. Amen. And what the word of God says, how you apply it to their life. It should not just be about an entertainment or a, 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 a sermon that makes you feel good. But then when you walk away, you say, well, what do I need to apply to my life? I know I know he inspired me, but what did the word say I should do? OK, y'all with me? And so so I, I can appreciate the different styles of, of ministry. So don't ever go away. You know, you have to be careful that, that don't ever get in the point where you criticize a person's style of ministry. I just I, what, what I would say is, is that if we if we're going to do better, we got to know better. And so don't start don't start uh, going into your cross between talking and, and singing and you hadn't said anything. You with me? And, and, and you use that as a as a way to just give some familiar phrases. We need solid Bible teaching and Bible preaching. The text says, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the what? Pastors and teachers. There's a conjunctive word there. Pastors and teachers, which, which implies that a pastor should should also flow in the ministry gift of teaching. Because if I if I if I'm pastoring and I can't teach you anything, then your ability to grow in your faith is going to be somewhat stunted. Yes, you can grow on your own. Yes, you can read the Bible for yourself. But why did he give us pastors and teachers? Look at the next verse. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's what the responsibility of those fivefold ministry gifts are. So if that's their responsibility to, to, to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, then why would you say you don't need the gift that God said he gave to the church? When people say that I can be saved and stay at home and just have church at home, then what they're doing is they're missing what basically what they're telling God is, God, uh, I know you said I need these gifts, but, you know, I'm going to do it by myself. Because I'm smart, because I know more than you, God. This is what the Bible says. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. So if I'm not connected with a pastor, if I'm not connected with an evangelist, apostle, if, if, a, a teacher, if I'm not, if I have no connection, then I'm missing these gifts that God gave to the church. And he gave them so that they could help equip you to do the work and so that you can build up the church, the body of Christ. 13, let's read it. 13, this will continue, how long? Until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. We'll be mature in the Lord. Measuring up, this will continue until we are mature in the Lord and measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I told you that we are to be a clone of the one who we're following. You ain't following me. You should be following Jesus. And Jesus desires for all of us to be his disciples, his learned ones. And that learned one, amen, that disciple is like uh, uh, someone who's an apprentice, who's learning how to do the trade. And Jesus desires for each one of us to walk like him. Are y'all tracking with me today? So, but these gifts, the pastor teachers are there to help us get to that point. Amen. Let's get back to James right quick. 
Even though it's an awesome responsibility, we shouldn't fear this responsibility and we shouldn't neglect the gift of teaching. If you're called and gifted to teach, then you got to teach. Amen. And, and, and thank God for all of my school teachers, but we're not talking about school teachers right now. OK, I personally believe that if you're in education and you're going to be a good school teacher, it's, it's kind of like a calling. Because you, you, you can have a school full of teachers, but if half of them are there only to get a paycheck, uh, then these kids are going to miss out. There's nothing like having a teacher who's, who's, who's called to do that. Nothing like having a teacher who, who understands their role and their responsibility to pour into young people. Not only just the material in the book, but how to become a young adult. Amen? So I, I, I personally believe that, as a matter of fact, I personally believe that there are certain, certain uh, occupations, vocational occupations, that we have a, a gifting and a leaning toward. Amen? If you ever worked in a place where, where, where it was something that you did just because you needed a paycheck, uh, it's not the same as working in a place where, you, where, where when you get up in the morning and you go there, it's like, that's my passion. I mean, I, I get to do this. And guess what? They paid me to do that. Whatever that is. I know Yvonne and I talked quite a bit. I told her, even before she started doing it, I said, I say, girl, you were born to do what you're doing. I mean, and, and if you ever sit down with her, you, you hear the passion in what she does. And, and, and when people are passionate about what they do, man, it's, it's, man, it's an awesome thing. And so it is with the giftings of God. When you are walking in your divine gifting and your, and your calling, man, what an awesome, awesome, awesome privilege to be able to do so. Can I get a witness? All right, so so so, but again, if, if this calling is there, even though it's a even even though the Bible says don't don't many of y'all be running to try to do it, but if that's your calling, don't back away from that responsibility. A teacher's main tool for work is his speech or his tongue. Okay, a teacher's main tool is is what he's going to say with his mouth or with his tongue, right? So so if that's the case, it's the tongue and its use. That will have a great bearing upon the teacher's condemnation. Amen. The tongue is where the first great temptation attacks teachers. I'm talking about teachers of the gospel, y'all. Okay. The temptation to misuse the tongue. There are four things about the tongue that the believer must know, especially teachers. Uh, again, on your outline, we got uh, we are, uh, the, the, the first thing is the tongue stumbles and sins often. <laughs> the tongue stumbles and offends often and stumbles in word after word. Okay, y'all with me? Let, let's, let's continue to unpack it. Get back to that third, uh, uh, third chapter, verse number two with the right quick. Okay. He says, indeed, uh, we all make many mistakes for if we could control our tongue, we, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other, every other way. Now, when you read that verse, uh, 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 just in isolation, when you first read that, you're like, well, <laughs> it just said it right there, Pastor. You, you know, you tell us to, to, to be mature and to control our tongue, but, but it says right there, uh, you know, we, we, we would be perfect. Really, that word perfect is mature. OK, we'd be perfect. 
We, could, we would be perfect and could, and, and could also control ourselves in every other way if we could control our tongue. If we could control our tongue, as if it's saying there's no way to control your tongue. In isolation, without proper exegesis, you would think that well, that's what he's saying. Man, ain't no use. You know, just, you know, you know the tongue is just that, man. You, you always say something you ain't got no business saying. Well, do you really have to? What he's saying here, guys, is that the, the tongue cannot be troll, controlled by your flesh and just by your intellect. The, the, the ability of the tongue to be controlled has to be yoked up with the Holy Spirit and God's word being properly poured inside of us. God can help us to control the tongue. We can't do it by ourselves. And y'all know it. How many times have you said something that the moment it left your mouth, you're like, uh-oh. Now, you've been praying all week, too. And you've been fasting. But somehow, some way, that tongue, just it, it just felt like it had to say what you just said. See, this cannot be done on our own. Are y'all with me? It cannot be done on our own. No believer, no matter how great a teacher he is or who he is, is free from stumbling and falling. The tongue speaks what is in the heart of the mind and it's the tongue that should either justify or condemn us before God. This is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 12. We read this other week. Go back, go back to Matthew 12, 34 through 37. And guys, while, while we're heading there, you know, the, the tongue is, is, is the way to becoming a, a, a perfect or mature and fully developed person. A person's maturity can be measured by the control of his tongue. Your maturity can be measured by how well your tongue is being controlled. All right. So all of us in here probably know people who don't, don't control their tongue very well, right? How many of y'all know Christians who gossip? How many of y'all know Christians who talk about other people who may be a little bit different than you are? Well, I just wouldn't have bought that. I don't know why they spent that money on that kind. Well, that ain't you. It is amazing how we will jump into other folks' business. And start saying stuff. Even when it comes to, you know, sometimes we'll watch, and I know people say, "Well, you know, uh, man, he he uh, that that guy got you know he got he got a contract for you know thirty million dollars, and he went and bought that big house or bought that car. And that don't even make sense. I I just I, you don't know what you'll do when you get thirty million dollars. You saying that now because you ain't got thirty million dollars. How many of y'all know uh, uh, Dak trying to get paid? And they need to pay the man. Need to pay the man. But if, but if he chew, did any Saints fan get jealous when I talked about Dak? Then? Uh, uh, but 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 guys, listen. Sometimes as believers, here's what we do: we dip our little nose in the places, and we begin to talk about things that really we have no business even talking about. Would y'all agree? 
And all of us, to some degree, are guilty at times if we're not careful. Can I get a witness? So that's why I'm getting quiet here right now. Because see, everybody here is guilty of, of, of wanting, you know, wanting to know something that we just, so just curious. Some people call it curious. Other folks call it what? Yeah. <laughs> just, just some nosy folks. All right? But our tongue will justify us or condemn us. Watch the text. Watch the text. This is Jesus talking to the religious leader. He says, you brood of snakes. I mean, you just call them snakes. It's just, you're, just, you're just snakes. You brood, brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever's in your heart determines what you say. Okay, repeat after me. Say, whatever's in my heart determines what I say. Come on, 35. It says, a good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart. Treasure of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. 36, it says, uh, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. 37. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Now, again, the words that we say, again, our, our maturity can be uh, can be uh, uh, confirmed by how we allow the Holy Spirit to help control our tongue or it can be exposed that we're not very mature by how we loosely say in whatever we want to say. OK, um, the tongue is, is 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 the way by which we can learn to control the whole body with all of its appetites and its passion. OK. If a person will learn to control his tongue, hear me carefully, he can learn to control any passion or appetite of the body. Listen to that carefully. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> if, if, if a person will learn to control his tongue, he can learn to control any passion or appetite that the body has. Okay? Because what happens is we tell ourselves stuff. And when we tell ourselves stuff, then the words of our mouth impact the rest of our body. It, it impacts our feelings and on down the line. And so, so when we learn how to, uh, if you can control the tongue, you, you, you can, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can learn to control any passion or appetite of the body. Because see, you know, you know, every time I, can I tell on me? Every time, every time I, uh, every time I tell myself, Man, those ribs are going to be good. I mean, I tell myself that. And I start thinking about Cassandra. And I start thinking about, man, the good ribs have that smoke taste all the way to the bone. And the meat falls off the bone. And I start telling myself that. Okay? And so when I start telling myself that, even though I may have said, you know what? I, I really don't need that because I've, I, maybe I hadn't been eating as healthy as I need to eat this week. But when I start telling myself that, Leroy... I find myself getting in my car, driving all the way to Southeast Shreveport, roll up in the country tavern and get some slabs of ribs. Because I start, te- I start, I start saying stuff. And some of y'all will start saying stuff. Man. Oh, here, here, here you ladies. Ooh. Man, he's. Now, you ain't going to say this in front of your husband and you're going to say it in front of other. But, but sometimes you get together or even by yourself. He is fine. 
And you know, it, oh, y'all don't say that anymore. <laughs> he is good looking. He talks so sweet to me. And my husband is so gruff. My husband never tells me how beautiful I am. But every time I see him, he's telling me how gorgeous I am, how good I look, and how, 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 how wonderful my personality is. And my husband always tells me how mean and ornery I am. And so you start talking to yourself, and pretty soon you'll talk to yourself into thinking that your husband's a demon. Come on, ladies. I said, ladies, wives, the man you chose, the man that nobody put a gun to your head and told you to walk down the aisle for, and now, walk down the aisle for, yeah, uh, and now you've told yourself all the negativity, the negative things. You never even mentioned the positive thing. The enemy will come in and have you looking at everything negative about your husband. So much so that you're thinking that he's no good. And really just one area that you don't like that, that he don't he don't seem to be doing what you want to do in that area. So now all of a sudden everything he does is wrong. And now your tongue has told you that really you don't need to be with him anymore. If you don't control the tongue, come on. The enemy will come in and eat you alive. Come on. And why are you saying all that stuff? You know, you, you know, <laughs> ladies, don't y'all, why, ladies getting mad at me now because see, see, when I'm talking about the husband, y'all are all right. <laughs> and yes, I, I, I bend a little bit more on the husband because the husband has greater responsibility. Because if it's not right, guess who God's coming to? He ain't coming to the wife, he's coming to us. But, I said, but, wives, your mouth, your tongue can actually wound your husband. And when you say that stuff, about you ain't no good and you ain't this and you ain't that and you ain't that, that affects him. He, not, he may not ever, his, his pride ain't gonna, in most cases ain't gonna, it's not going to let him stand up because he, he don't want to feel like he's being punked, if you excuse me to use that, use that expression, but that hurts him, that wounds him. The words of your mouth. How about a little word of encouragement? How about you, baby? You know, I, I know we've had our problems, but you know what? I'm glad that God gave me to you. And even though we had this little struggle, but we, we're going to get there. I ain't going nowhere and you ain't going nowhere, so we might as well be happy. Can I talk to y'all? Can I talk to y'all like this? The words of our mouth impact relationships. And the maturity, our spiritual maturity will, will, will manifest itself in what we say with our mouths. Okay. Can I get two amen from some wives? Can I get two amen? Okay. All right. I don't know why that came up, but that, that was in my spirit. And we, we got to get better. The words of our mouth. 
Again, quit, quit, quit downing your man. If don't nobody else think your man is any good, you ought to, you ought to be. I'm talking about saved brothers. I'm talking about saved men who love Jesus. Don't have it all together, but they still say they love Jesus. Maybe climbing up on the rough side of the mountain, but they climbing. Come on, they climbing. They climbing. At least they climbing. All right. So when you go, when you leave here tonight, wise, speak an encouraging word into your husband's life. He's heard enough negativity. And the church said, amen. amen. And they said it again. Amen. And they said it one more time for the Holy Ghost. Now, I, I, I understand what time of day is. Come on, I'm not, I'm not naive. But what I'm telling you is, is that sometimes it ain't as bad as we sing. But we talk ourselves into it. All right. I got to move. <laughs> Go back to James right quick. The tongue, the tongue. Tongue is the way by which we learn to control the whole body with all its appetites and passions. And we know that, that tongue speaks what's in the heart. And Jesus said we're going to either be condemned or acquitted by that. Look at the third thing on the outline. Tongue is a little member boasting great things. Let's go. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to move on down here real quickly, okay? Go back to verse 5, James 3, verse 5. Go to verse 5. Look at your outline. It says, a person can boast about anything and he can boast in a quiet, unassuming way or boast by talking big. But no matter how the boasting is done, it is destructive. It either lowers the image of a person in the eyes of others because of his boasting or makes the listener feel inferior or less of a person than the boaster. Boasting is nothing more than vain or empty talk. But its destructive force must never be underestimated. I like that quote. Okay. Psalms 10 and 3 says, For the wicked boasted of his heart's desire and blessed the covetous, whom the Lord abhorred. Abhorred means hated. The Lord hate those who are covetous. Okay. All right. So, uh, so when we look at here, uh, verse 5 says, It's insane with the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Let's keep moving. Uh, and the tongue is a, is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. Look at what he says now. I want you to let this resonate and sink in because we will say stuff and not think about what we said. And all of us are guilty of having said something without actually thinking through or having prayed it through. How many of y'all ever spoke something out of your emotion? Your feelings? Any of y'all ever get in your feeling as they say you're feeling a certain kind of way and then your tongue expresses that kind of way that you're feeling. So what I'm telling you is, is that it's, it's advisable for each one of us to learn how to pray through our feelings before we open our mouth. Jesus many times would not say a word. You know, he never said a mumbling word. Never said a mumbling word for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. I know it was the blood for me. You know why Jesus didn't say a word? It's because Jesus was controlling himself. Do you realize that the master could have just said, come right now. And 10,000 angels could have came down here and wiped this whole world out. I mean, literally, he could have called 10,000 angels to wipe those who were persecuting him, met him to the cross, could have wiped them out. 
but he held his peace because he knew Cassandra, he was on assignment from God. That's why he said in the Garden garden of Gethsemane, Lord, if there's another way to accomplish this, let this cup pass away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And sometimes, guys, when we're going through and we're facing pressure, you know, sometimes if we're not going to say the right thing, don't say nothing. If you can't say the right thing, if you can't quote what your promise and your covenant word says, don't say anything. Just keep your mouth closed. Amen? Keep reading, keep reading. Uh, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. Next verse, three. Um, But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Can't do this by yourself now. Next verse, come on. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Now, how are you going to praise God and curse those who God made? Listen to what he says now. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And then you blank and blank, blank. You, 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 you just make me sick. You, I, I can't stand to be around you. What about him? What about her? Didn't you just... And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Ten. Come on, let's go. Got to go. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Eleven. Come on. We know. We see it. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? The answer to that is no, right? Does a fig tree produce olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? No. No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. 13, read, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that does what? Read that with me out loud on purpose. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. Stop. All right, he says prove it. How are you going to prove it? By just coming to church and saying that I understand God's ways. I know I'm saved. If you got to always say that kind of stuff, then I'm, 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 I'm always thinking, well, what, what is it about you that you got to always go around and tell? I know I'm saved. Maybe you're doing something that indicates you don't really live like you say. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with with the humility that comes from what? From wisdom. From wisdom. See, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is a restless evil. That's what the Bible says about our tongue. It's a restless evil. Are y'all with me? Go with me right quick. To, if you will, let's go a couple of scriptures. I'm gonna let you go. Uh, I'll hit the rest of it on tomorrow. Not tomorrow, next week. <laughs> Y'all coming back tomorrow night? Okay. Go with me. And this this is dealing with uh, with, with, with our tongue. Okay. Uh, go with me uh, to First Peter chapter two, and we'll start at reading at verse one. 
First Peter chapter two, verse number one. And then I want to go to Ephesians four and thirty-one six. So, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealous, and all unkind speech. Is that what it says? Go with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I want you to just write these down, and I want you to go back and meditate on these. And so when you meditate on the scripture, it's telling you what you ought to do. It's commanding you to do it. When you read word, guys, it's not, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. Some stuff is black and white. You don't have to pray over it. You don't have to pray for discernment. If it says, stop it, stop it. Go, go to Ephesians 4, 31. Watch this. Did I say Hebrews? I meant Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 31. Thank you. Ephesians 4, let's go. It says, get rid of all bitterness. Who's, he ta- who's talking here, guys? Who's writing this? The book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul, who's he writing to? The saints, the church at Ephesus. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Now watch this. Bitterness settles in our heart when we don't, when we don't deal with offenses O-F-F-E-N-S-E-S. Offenses that are in our life. That are, that are, and usually we get offended by people who we are in relationship with. Sometimes it's hard for, you know, a stranger can say something to you, but it doesn't carry the same weight as somebody who you're in relationship with. And I've discovered that in the church, we get offended with other Christians more so than we do the world. Okay. And Paul is talking to the church, he says, get, but get rid of all bitterness. When you don't, bitterness will rise up when you don't properly and appropriately and spiritually uh, deal with offenses that happen in your life. Some of us won't talk about stuff to the person who we need to talk about it to. And so that, that bitterness stays there and it gets packed down and it causes you not to be the person that God wants you to be. Don't let bitterness reign in your heart. Life is too short. I mean, Maria and I made a commitment, you know, everything in our marriage hadn't been hunky-dory. I'll tell you before, we've had challenges in our marriage, just like everybody else has challenges in your marriage. But one thing we decided that we were going to do, first of all, we're not going anywhere because we're going to be in covenant relationship. We're going to do what God told us to do. And and, and we we choose to be happy. We choose not to let stuff, amen, have us in that dark tunnel for, for months and weeks on end. You got to choose that. You got to, you got to choose not to stay in that dark, 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 dark tunnel. But you got to communicate. You got to talk because when you get offended, when you don't deal with the offense, bitterness builds up and bitterness will cause you to harbor unforgiveness. And unforgiveness will block your access to God. Not that you're not saved, but if you, if you harbor unforgiveness, it'll block your access. Still loves you, but you can't walk around with unforgiveness. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and all slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. I'm going to enjoy life, guys. And don't y'all make it tough on me either. You know, the Bible does say that. About about church members, uh, um, you know, that, you know, obey those who had a rule and thought over you for they watch for your soul. And, 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 and it says, it says, you know, don't give them grief because that's not profitable for you. OK, 
And, and I, I said before, I think you guys are an awesome church congregation. And when I say this stuff and go off on the radio, there are people who I know and people who I've been counseling with that, that, that are having some tough time in their church. But here's what I believe. If we teach and preach the word of God and we'll do that, the first thing I want to know when an offense comes up is were you biblical? If you were not biblical, go be biblical first. What do I mean? If there was an offense between you and the person, what do you do? What, is, what did Jesus specifically tell us to do? You go to him one-on-one. And most of y'all here are so chicken. You won't do that. You sit and you stew. You have a pity party. You get offended. And sometimes the person you're offended with don't even know what you're talking about. But you won't go to them. Well, I don't want them. I don't want to start start nothing. I literally, I was counseling with a lady. She's not a member of this church, but I was telling. I said, she was asking me what should she tell this person to do. I said, this is what you got to tell them to do. Well, I don't think they're gonna do that. Well, I can't help you if you ain't gonna do what Jesus said do. You're a Christian. The Bible is God's word. So you're going to sit up there and be in your feelings and not do what Jesus told you to do and get your deliverance? A lot of stuff I've discovered could be solved. A lot of misunderstandings could be taken care of if people just learn how to talk. Just talk. Okay. Y'all can tell I get fired up about that, don't you? I mean, I really do, because if I'm teaching you the word of God, but you won't do the word of God, I can't help you. I mean, I love you, but if you're not going to be biblical and spiritual, spiritual means you follow the word of God, then I can't. I really can't. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. I love you, but you go, you go, you're going to be a miserable person if you won't do the word. And a whole lot of our problems could be solved. If we just do what the Bible says, well, what about the Don't you worry about the other person. You do what Jesus said. I'm teaching you. Go to Second Timothy. No, Timothy, go to Titus 3, 1 and 2. I, I got to let y'all get out of here. I love you guys. And man, some, some Wednesday, I love preaching to you guys. I mean, I just, I'm going to challenge you guys. I, 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 I'm... Man, listen, it hurts my heart sometimes. It hurts my heart sometimes when I hear sometimes how we get in dark places. And I know we don't have to be there. I know we don't have to be there. God wants us to be vibrant. He wants us to enjoy life. Yes, we're going to have challenges. Yes, we're going to we're going to have disagreements. But but that's why we come in here to grow and to learn so that when we do have challenges and we do have disagreements, when we do have storms that come our way, we know how to to uh, to, to to rely on the one who's able to calm the storm. Amen. We know how to press through to the other side. Look at this text here. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. That means you got to obey law enforcement. You got to obey the laws of the land. They should be obedient, always, always ready to do what is good. Verse number two, read it. They must not 
they must not what? Slander anyone. Come on, read it out. I need you to hear, hear yourself say this. And must do what? Avoid quarreling, arguing. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Now, I want to ask you a question. How much arguing and quarreling you been doing? Yeah, I ask you. How much arguing and quarreling have you been doing? And if you are doing it, you are out of the will of God. Is this saying you'll never have a disagreement with somebody? No, it's not what it's saying. We're talking about there are some people who are perpetual Mester up us. Perpetually. Got something going on. He says, don't slander anyone and avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. See how our tongue, we got to get there. Okay? Now, I'm, 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 I'm landing this plane real softly. Because some of y'all probably, I, I feel somebody got offended. Because you think I'm talking to you, I promise you, nobody's on my mind. I'm just talking about people in general. But some of y'all are hearing this, and some of y'all know that's something I got to work on. Right? That's something I got to work on. Verse 3 for good measure, and I'm closing. Verse 3, let's read it. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient. How many of y'all going to raise your hand and say you were? I'm just foolish and disobedient. Come on. When, 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 when really God went on our mind, he went on our agenda, we were doing our own thing. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. How many of y'all were slaves to lust and pleasure? Come on, raise your hands. Come on, you're not, you're, you, were, you were caught up in lust and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. Verse four, come on. But, everybody say but. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and his love, verse five, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, no, we weren't, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Come on, get the Lord a hand of praise. Aren't you glad he saved you? Aren't you glad he delivered you? Aren't, he, aren't you glad that you're no longer bound by sin? Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.